to The Apple of Truth, a bi-weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner. All with love for the show and its creators. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And today we're covering Lucifer, Season 1, Episode 3, The Would-Be Prince of Darkness. But before we get into it, uh, let us just thank wholeheartedly to our newest patrons, our new heathen Mikolaj and our amazing believers Mix and Nisa. Thank you so much for joining on Patreon. And for those of you who are thinking about joining, if you go to Patreon, you can see all the amazing bonus and things that are available for our patrons there. And if there's something that interests you, we may be saying your name next time. Our two wonderful believers get access to special bonus content, meaning at the moment everything we have to cut from this episode because for whatever reason Vero and I seem to be unable to limit ourselves to an hour of talking. If any of you have ever met us in person, you know why. Because we're very smart, that's why. (laughs) So believers, special access to cut and bonus content, so we appreciate you even more so. I did my homework and I checked the summaries. Once more, the summaries are very, very similar. And this time they only cover one half of the episode. They only cover the case of the week angle. They do not deal with Lucifer having an imposter and his denial a river in Africa issue. Which, if you ask me, that is my favorite part of the episode and they should cut everything else but this. The summaries are pretty much everywhere. When a young superstar quarterback finds a dead girl in his swimming pool, he turns to Lucifer for help. Lucifer enlists Chloe to investigate the world of Big money sports. Which is accurate. What is hilarious though, we have the official title, The Would-Be Prince of Darkness. Germans, again, and probably in every episode in the future, have their own title, which translates to Jealousy and Blackmail. (laughs) Well, I mean, at least they covered both sides of the episode. The Would-Be Prince of Darkness just kind of covers... The part of the episode that's not even covered in the description. Exactly. (laughs) Which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there's that. Also, I have to uh, correct myself from last episode. Oh, do you? Yes. Last episode, when I was doing my tangent on the names, we also talked very, very shortly about the Prince of Darkness. And I very nonchalantly place it as very pop culture. It's not pop culture. I'm an idiot. So... The Prince of Darkness is not a pop culture reference, but of course, of course, it is a term used in John Milton's poem Paradise Lost. And it's referring to Satan as the embodiment of evil. It's not like I didn't do a deep dive on Paradise Lost or something last time. I was gonna say. Also, I'm not done. It gets worse. What? Because I failed hard. Dracula Prince of Darkness is a movie from 1966 about Dracula portrayed by Christopher Lee who doesn't say a single word in the entire movie. I've seen this! Because vampires don't chat. Yes. And I've seen this movie 
and I didn't remember it was fucking called the Prince of Darkness. So shame. It gets worse. Oh my god. The Prince of Darkness is also a movie from 1987 by John Carpenter about, and I quote, a priest that encounters a canister full of Satan in the form of a swirling green liquid. Holy fu- That's amazing. I feel... See, that's all pop culture, though. You weren't too far off. Paradise Lost is not pop culture. Except for <laughs> Paradise Lost. I should have remembered the two movies because I have seen those two movies. I definitely saw the first one. Don't think I saw the second one. I'm very sorry. Especially to my very, very good movie competent friend who, when he hears the second episode, is going to write me probably instantly like, girl, are you fucking kidding? I'm going to have a request for said friend. Don't just write Lena. Please write to the official profiles because I need to know these things. I need some ammunition against Lena because she is too smart. If you want to write us, you can do so at the wonderful email address lucifer at taot-podcast.com. So any inquiries, inquiries, questions, notes, complaints, praise, uh, insults. That's a lot of words. Whatever. Mainly the insults, please. I need to learn some new stuff. (laughs) Or if you have requests or whatever. Also different language insults. Anything like this, send it to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. And with this, let's get into the episode! I actually put in an effort and named the first scene. Let's hear it. That is the only scene I named. I have named this Taking a Leap of Faith. Ooh. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I really appreciated the expectation subversion that happened yes because it set up really sinister with him standing right behind her without touching it's brilliantly framed he's only talking to her he's suggesting he's poking verbally but he's never poking physically so he only talks he does not even employ his eye contact thingy so it's her choice to jump It is. I love the way the scene is framed and I absolutely agree with everything you just said. But what I love about this as well is that they are giving us the complete misconception. They're pushing onto us that Lucy is a bad influence slash he's trying to convince somebody to kill themselves. Possibly that's the implication that we get. And then it just turns into him loving to party, which is literally the show. Like, it's literally his story arc that where we expect Lucifer to be the one that is taking you down to sin and whatever. But it actually ends up being a lot of fun. And uh, he's leading you to temptation in our expectation. And actually, he's leading you to fun. To pleasure. And freedom. Yes. And... Exactly. Which is possibly by some perceived as a bad thing, but... Keep in mind, America is very Puritan, so all things related to pleasure do have a negative connotation. Oh, how rude. (laughs) Well, I'm really bad at fashion, but did I see it right that the dress the girl 
doing the leap of faith and the dress Ellie is wearing later on are virtually the same dress but in blue and in red hmm. I didn't notice that but when I think about it yeah they're both strapless the same cut it looks similar also what I did notice was that those were the only two colors at the entire party right everybody else had like beige very tamed black white colors lots of black a lot of black a lot of beige something that kind of goes with the background Ty yeah. is wearing the, the gray sweater thingy mm-hmm. so I found the description of Ty when he uh, describes Lucifer it's accurate but it's kind of sad when he tries to introduce himself to Ty and Ty goes you're the club owner guy who grants favors he's not wrong that's the brand that Lucifer made for himself isn't it well, Lucifer demands to be more than that club owner guy <laughs> he does he's Lucifer Morningstar well we get more of that a little bit later in the episode so you know When Lucifer is talking to the Leap of Faith girl. Cannonball, I call her. He calls her that, my little cannonball. He calls her that, exactly. I love how appalled his reaction is when she goes, he did a rap. Lucifer is not a fan of rap. And in the episode before... In the first episode... He's not a fan of hip-hop. So Lucifer has a very, very specific music taste. I love that. It's called good music taste. There is great rap and there's great hip-hop. Dismissing an entire genre is very arrogant, which fits his profile. Yeah, it does. What I found hilarious, because sometimes I'm easy to please, is her calling out his accent as fake when Tom Ellis is actually British. Mm -hmm. So that was a nice touch. (laughs) The whole situation is ridiculous. Did you make a music note for this? I only took a note of the first song that's playing at the very beginning because I wasn't that impressed with the other song. I found it very, very in your face. When night falls, Lucifer has just spotted the three lovely ladies and night falls, the shutter closes, the shutter opens and the song playing is monster and basically the song just repeats monster, monster and the camera pans over him lying in bed with three ladies in their underwear without a blanket and I'm sorry I don't care how warm it is in LA sleeping without any cover sucks mm-hmm. and sleeping in your bra sucks also mm-hmm. I expected you to call it out my comment on this was why are they sleeping in their underwear oh wait it's Fox but who is sleeping in their complete underwear After they have sex with somebody. Americans. Bull. Americans on television. Sorry, Americans on television. Americans on Fox. Because they are not allowed to show nipples. Sorry, women nipples. Exactly. Oh, fuck. Interesting thing about his powers. Yes. For one, have you seen the eyeliner on Lucifer in that scene at the party? It's so fucking intense. It needs to be because later on it's still there even though he slept and didn't reapply. It looks like perfection the next day. Maybe it's permanent makeup. I actually have noticed that his eyeliner looks better preserved than Chloe's makeup. Well, he has more money than her, so he can afford better makeup. Also, she was up all night agonizing over Lucifer and who he is. So she didn't sleep much. However, he didn't sleep either. Because he doesn't sleep. What? He doesn't sleep? I don't think Lucifer needs to sleep. He's a fucking angel. I don't think he needs to sleep, but does he not sleep? I think it's like the elves in Lord of the Rings. Like he can rest his mind, but he doesn't... Eyeballs? (laughs) Basically, yeah. (laughs) 
No, I was wondering about his powers. So he's talking to this girl, to the cannonball. And when he mentions that he's Lucifer, she gets immediately upset, even though he's turning his charms on. No, he's not using his powers. Well, not his powers, but like his charm should work on a woman regardless. That is the question. We've seen it with Linda. We've seen it with, well, pretty much everybody except Chloe. And everyone while the money was flying around with the preacher scene. Yeah, but nobody, nobody really was looking at him. And she is way into him until he says that he's Lucifer. Until she thinks he's lying. Yeah. So what's the story with that? So apparently his effect on women is only amplifying what they're already feeling. So if you're feeling disgust about something that he's doing, it doesn't work anymore. Which would also explain why Dan is not fawning over Lucifer. So we're gonna have to keep an eye on that. Let's be honest. He's a very attractive human or angel. Mm-hmm. Angel. And so most people are very superficial. So they're going to be more or less inclined to be into him. Mm-hmm. But now, scene three. My notes are pretty much I am giving Trixie some plus points. So remember our debate about who is better character. Yes. Is it Trixie or is it Mazakin? And I say Trixie deserves a plus point for being so bluntly honest with Chloe when she comes in and asks if her dad, aka douche, but she is also coming up with very, very straightforward solutions to Chloe's problems. Just insisting that Lucifer is a magician. Talk to Lucifer. Talk to him. Yeah, it's a very childish approach because as we grow older, we tend to overthink things. Which is stupid. It is stupid. And that's plus one or maybe even two points for Trixie. What do you think? It's definitely a plus point for her. Ah, just one. But may as well catch up later on. Well, we'll get to it when we get to it. Now we're giving Trixie a point. Yes, Trixie he gets a point okay so since we just cut a very very hilarious tangent those of you without access to the bonus content just be aware i'm crying because of laughing and vero's face hurts from smiling and laughing so much so if we seem to be in a very good mood from here on out (laughs) this is why (laughs) get that bonus audio and please look it up oh Scene four. I'm kind of proud of my title. Party Aftermath. A corpse, some vomit, and pseudo-porn. I'm very proud of you. Right? (laughs) No, it's great. I do not feel taken seriously. It's very descriptive. Right? Yeah. My description, uh, speaking of descriptive, my description is Chloe is called to solve the problem at hand, but the situation escalates out of Lucifer's hands. Did you notice in the very beginning of the scene, Lucifer calls Chloe Detective Decker? Oh, yeah. I think that's the only time so far, right? He only calls her detective so far. Yeah, but he calls her Detective Decker. I feel like they haven't seen each other for a little bit now because there was no reason for them to see each other. Still. And because they're not on that friendly level yet, he might be trying to be maybe not polite, but, you know, more formal. Mm. Just to kind of... Doesn't strike me as Lucifer-like behavior. Well, yeah, but, you know, like he's just being silly. I was not impressed 
by Tai in the entire episode, I must say. I find him... Tai is problematic, I think. I find him, at best, I find him naive. I feel he's bordering on dense, and at worst, he's just stupid. Yeah. So I'm not not a fan of Tai. His reactions and everything to, to Lucifer, and it's just very childish. Everything he does, it's very immature on a lot of levels. And everything seems very muted. When Chloe tells him that Uh, she was murdered his reaction is like oh my god that's terrible and I don't know the actor I checked his IMDB Mm. but I don't remember him from anything else he's been in so I don't know if it's an actor issue or a character issue but it was very one note do you know what I wonder no we haven't been looking at who is writing which episode you do that Maybe for next time, because it might be affecting... Well, I'm assuming they have they have showrunners, but they have more than, like, two writers, right? So it might be connected to that, because that feels like a lot of the dialogue in this episode is very forced, even when... And so bad. And, yeah, very, yeah, cringy. Like the ginger joke, seriously? Oh, I love the ginger joke. Don't touch my ginger jokes. Oh, okay. Don't take away my dad jokes. That's okay. On the other hand, some of the wordings is amazing. I love when Chloe describes Lucifer's behavior as color commentating the crime scene. Yeah, that's very good. Because color commentating a crime scene is fucking brilliantly phrased. Mm -hmm. So it's such a stark contrast between the flatness of some of the lines and then the brilliance of some of the expressions. Also, brownie point for Chloe for kicking out Lucifer from the crime scene. She takes no shit from anyone. And no. Not just the crime scene. Again, she does the same thing as she did in the previous episode when she just kicks him out of the apartment and shuts the fucking door. I'm really impressed how she is much more competent than Dan at being a police person. Because he puts on his gloves and he's willing to help out, but he doesn't grasp the implications of what she's doing. Mm -hmm. But what do you mean? It's already been searched. And she's like, yeah, I'm not looking for ID. Because, Mm -hmm. duh, if you have a tiny purse, you're not having everything on you, but you have your fucking car keys because you leave everything in your car yeah. because you had to take a car to get here. Duh. And it's super obvious for her and Dan is like, huh? So she's a good cop. Not just a good yeah. cop in the sense of she's not shifty and not bribable, but she does good work. She is smart. This is definitely her good moment. Good detective moment in the episode. Yes. But that being said, let's get a move on because we're going to get to a very not good detective moment from her very soon. I have a question for you. Well, tell me. I love how she's examining the bedroom and they find the nail and yada yada and whatever. And then she hears the moaning sounds and she goes to follow the moaning and she finds Lucifer with the mobile phone. Mm -hmm. And she, of course, assumes that he's watching porn and she goes like, well, that's not my porn. Also, because they talk about it being porn, I assume it's them having actual sex. Why? Why, for all that is holy and unholy, would Lucifer want to delete this video? I have the exact same question. (laughs) Dear listeners, if you can think of any reason as to why Lucifer would want to delete this video, please let us know. It doesn't make sense. He would download it to his laptop and then he wouldn't care. He would just watch it and he doesn't care what happens with it. Is the only (sighs) reason because he is trying to protect Ty? But why? But he isn't. He isn't at that point. Ty is not a suspect at that point yet. Yeah, but maybe he doesn't want him to, you know, because sex, virgin thing. But like, it just doesn't make sense. Speaking of Ty is not a suspect yet. That happens right after. And in my opinion, it happens way too fast. Yes. I totally get that he becomes a suspect. 
expect. But not like this. Not the 180 that Chloe does. Chloe clearly reacts to something else. There must be some other issues because she... And this this is what I meant when I said there is going to be a shit detective moment because this is just a leap. That's a massive fucking leap. I have it as reaching. She's reaching. Yeah, she is just... Yeah, considering how well Chloe detective to her way to the car... It doesn't seem realistic she would go after Ty like this. Yeah, it's much too aggressive. And also she gets so aggressive in her entire behavior, which I understand from a storytelling point of view, because they want to make it understandable that she kicks out Lucifer without listening to him. But that is also bad detective work. I get that she's annoyed with Lucifer, but she should still be listening because you never know. He did find the fucking phone, which none of her great police people did find. So... Mm. I have very little notes for the next scene, but they're mostly in caps. <laughs> because, as you mentioned before, you say Trixie, I say Mace. So this scene, for me, is called Mace's Entertained. See, I don't think this is fair because Mace gets two scenes in this episode and Trixie only gets Shh. one. My description is Lucifer has an impersonating imposter and Mace being thoroughly entertained at this entire situation is simply the best. It's a fucking mood and I love it. I rewatched this several times just because I enjoyed it so much <laughs> and because why not? It's not like I didn't have much time. <coughs> <laughs> How she turns Lucifer's yada blah talk from the last two episodes with humans are fascinating onto its head and against him and she refuses to help him. Which, because I wasn't sure until now, but this proves she has free will over her actions and that would make sense because lucifer is all about free will i wasn't sure if she was like a mindless follower of lucifer that mm. has to do his bidding or if she has true free will because just because lucifer is about his own choices and free will does not necessarily mean that he wants everyone beneath him to have free but will. But that would make him a fucking hypocrite. He's a fucking angel. Why shouldn't he be a hypocrite? I think that would be against what he's trying to stand for so far. Saved it with the hypocrite because we need that later. <laughs> Next scene I called Therapy is Helpful. Lucifer rants at Linda's and is led to an obvious revelation. Because, spoiler, I was not satisfied with the conclusion of this scene. So they talk about displacement and denial and loads of this stuff throughout the first half of the episode. And it just doesn't feel realistic. It doesn't feel natural. Oh, that, that is not my issue. Uh, on the contrary, displacement is a very real and everyday thing. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what I mean. But the amount of emotions they have connected to... Whatever are they supposedly be dealing with? This is also not my issue. I don't know if I mentioned before, my mom is a psychologist, so... I didn't know that. I get lots of very close-hand information, mm -hmm. and it also explains a lot. <laughs> no, my mom is pretty amazing, but she's a psychologist, so I have access to a lot more psychological knowledge than a normal IT person like myself usually would have. Let me start at the beginning of my notes. Do you remember, first episode, I was very dissatisfied with your argumentation about why Los Angeles? Yes. So, I'm gonna come back to this, because Lucifer, and I quote, this 
is a place built on lies where nothing is authentic or genuine. And yes, I know at the very end, Linda gives us an explanation. But in this moment, I went literally like, thank you. For me, there was no reason why Los Angeles was the obvious choice mm. in Lucifer's eyes. I understand Linda's argumentation at the end, but that mm -hmm. is not Lucifer's own point of view. His point of view is everyone's a fucking charlatan in Los Angeles. So why would he pick this place? So I feel vindicated. Well, for now. Which made me happy in that moment. Linda literally states what is Lucifer's motivation the entire episode. Yes. Because she phrases that Ty got into a bad situation or someone helped him into a bad situation. And I really like the phrasing of that because Lucifer did not push him, but he basically offered his hand to let him take the last step to put Ty into the situation. And this is what makes him feel so responsible for all of mm -hmm. this. Which I think is very, very nicely done. But, and now I come to my point that I have the issue with. Okay, go on. The realization of Lucifer. I punish the guilty and Ty is not guilty. Didn't we already learn it in episode one? That he has to punish the guilty people and it got enforced in episode two? In this moment, I feel his realization, quote unquote, is mainly kind of a fake because he is looking for an excuse to get back to the case. So... So you think the realization is still displacement and not an honest realization. Yeah, I think then we get like some more resolution of all these feelings at the end of the episode. But right now, to me, it rang I need an excuse to get back to the case because Chloe is bugging me. Mm -hmm. She is mistreating me and I don't like it, but I don't have any rational reason to go back right now. And I feel guilty but don't want to admit that I feel guilty and so I use my quote unquote realization to go back and this is why it feels like such a cheap realization because it's not a true one. Exactly. Thank you, I can live with that. I'm happy with that. Yeah. And then at the end we get the proper one. Yes, exactly. And that feels way better. Yeah, because I was so dissatisfied in that moment. I was like, why? The whole scene is just really... This is not what I mean. To, oh, this is not how this works. This is not how any of this works. It's just those couple of things, one after another, that just didn't make me very happy internally. Mm -hmm. And this is something that helped me move on a little bit. For the next scene, do you have a music quote? No. The song title is very obvious. Scene seven, I called Dynamic Duo Reunites. Both Chloe and Lucy find their respective ways to the agency. And in the beginning of the scene, the song that plays has a very obvious song title, Back to the Way I Was. Which, given the scene before Lucifer coming to the realization what is his essence, and now we have a song Back to the Way I Was was very in your face, so mm -hmm. put it in your song notes, please. And I have a question. Yes. Is it about gingers? No. They do not have soul, Lina. They do not have soul. I have a very relevant question because at the end of this scene, before they go into the office of the agent, yeah. Chloe, she tells Lucifer to go and he's basically like, yeah, I'm not going. And he's laughing at her. It's funny that you think I'm actually leaving. If Chloe 
really wanted Lucifer to go and he really didn't want to go, Chloe would not have any way of making him leave. Because yeah. anyone she could call upon to make Lucifer leave would be charmed by him. So we have a very, very uneven power balance in this relationship. I know that we are going to be talking about consent, but the whole thing, yes, it is uneven. But then again, I feel like Lucifer is trying to respect the opponents that if he would feel that somebody doesn't want him to do something that he is about to do, he wouldn't do it. I think he's very respectful. He doesn't really enforce himself. He laughs at her, at her notion that he would actually leave, which is not respectful. That is not because now he has found an excuse to work on the case and he will not let it go. Yeah, but she gets no choice anymore. She's powerless in regard to him being there or not. Also, I think that if he would be convinced that she really doesn't want him there, he wouldn't be there. I'm not sure. As long as he's in his displacement moment, in his I punish the guilty and Ty isn't guilty so I have to do my thing, I think he's very single-minded. I feel like this is the first moment where we have a very glaring unbalance of power which of course makes sense Chloe is a human she's a fucking archangel but still you have this power unevenness mm -hmm. which it has an underlying of ickiness for me yeah fair enough speaking of icky I call the next scene simply the lying agent interrogation of Ty's agent who's obviously a lying asshole did you notice that when Lucifer does his eye contact thing there is no blinking at all oh I haven't noticed that it makes sense though I don't remember if it's the same in episode one and two but in this one the moment he starts using his powers there is no blinking either on him nor on the agent which I found it makes sense but also you know what is Chloe's fault what is Chloe's fault that she does not catch the absolute bullshit story the agent is selling them yeah because are you fucking kidding me he goes on this tangent how Ty has this psychotic ex Ugh. that is so dangerous but before that he told them that he hired Allie so she would have sex with Ty and then he goes like oh but if that girl learned that Ty had contact with this girl dude you hired her with knowledge that there's this psychotic ex you knew into what kind of danger you were putting Ellie. So don't you now put on your sad, sad face that no one could have seen this coming. Mm. And Chloe, in my opinion, should have caught that yeah. because she has been shown to be competent enough to catch that. Yeah. So that I found disappointing. I would have preferred the agent to have more competence in misleading the detective. The entire shit that he, that he spews... Questionable. Yes. But now comes... And the X goes boom. Or at least nearly. <laughs> I really, really like this scene. It's a really good scene. I love how much denial Lucifer does because denial just works so well and I can relate so much. Look, denial is the best thing invented since sliced bread. <laughs> no, I argue denial was here before sliced bread. Denial was here before the egg and the chicken and everything or the chicken and the egg doesn't really matter. Denial was here first. If you say so. <sighs> However, Lucy casually name drops his father again, which is great. But what I love about that moment is Chloe's face. 
She doesn't even say anything, but her face says it all. It's like, why would she even say such a thing? It's like, whatever. Sorry I mentioned anything. And that all of that happened in her face within like a half a second. Lauren German is fucking brilliant. I had to go back in that scene because of note-taking. So I had to watch that scene twice. When I watched this episode for the very first time, I did not see the explosion coming. So that actually startled me when it happened on the first watch-through. The way it's framed is done really, really smart Mm. because you only see Deborah and Chloe so when you are the camera is behind them and you only see the two women react to the explosion Mm. as is to be expected by humans and then you have a frontal view and Lucifer has a very very small reaction he moves a bit it's not a real flinch and then he puts up his hand so basically like feeling the warmth and then his comment comes with the see warmer he's literally putting up his hand feeling the warmth so yeah i really really like that he is brilliant yeah I did my homework and so obviously I read up on some of the trivia on the internets Mm -hmm. because this I wouldn't have caught because I have no sense of direction or size or anything and I don't know anything about blocks in the US. After the car blows up, Chloe talks to other police people Mm -hmm. and she says that she wants facial IDs from all security cameras in a 100 block radius. That's a lot of space. Quote, for a sense of scale, a 100 block radius would be about three times the size of Manhattan. That's way too much. I thought it was way less. I would not have noticed that because I have no idea about how big a block is or something, but I found it interesting, so you're welcome. And also, as I said earlier, when Lucifer is on a trail and he thinks he's right, he's very single-minded mm-hmm. because Deborah is sitting on an emergency bed thingy and he goes like, God, you tried to blow yourself up. Oh, dude, seriously, it's so obvious that she didn't do it. So it seems uncharacteristically dense mm. for Lucifer, mm. which did not make me happy. I was noticing other things in that conversation which made me very uncomfortable. And that was Deborah herself. And especially the quote, as good as he is at football, I'm that good at being his girlfriend. Which is gross. I just... Depends on your personal priorities. If all you want in life is to be a supportive partner to your one true love, you do you as long as the other person is happy with that. But her behavior is utterly unhealthy. It is borderline stalkish. Oh, not just borderline. The fact that he is not actively trying to get rid of her himself makes it a little bit better. I think those two have a very unhealthy codependency. Yeah, and it's very disturbing watching that and I have an issue with it but for me still they seem to be both into it and then i say you guys do you for the next four scenes i came up with a theme because all those scenes relate strongly with each other i called the next four scenes coming up with the plan setting up the plan not following the plan (laughs) succeeding with the plan Yay! Because I uh, found the entire story very entertaining. Uh, really must say I'm not a fan of the Thai storyline. The Ronnie storyline, on contrary, I find very entertaining. It's fun. Scene 10, coming up with the plan. 
I like that Dan is being useful with his information. <laughs> Good for him. So, brownie point. Yeah, but how long did it take him to bring up the information? So, take it away. Nah, he was useful. That's a brownie point. He's not happy about Chloe implying that they use Lucifer. How amazing it is that Chloe's first thought is, oh, let's engage Lucifer in this activity. She's got a point. I know she's got a point. However, are you telling me she doesn't know anybody else or they couldn't go with anybody else? She has no friends. Which actually leads me to my question. Mm -hmm. This is another time, we have this before, that Chloe and Dan are working at late times at Chloe's place instead of the station. Yeah. Well, for one, we haven't seen the station yet. Yeah, but why? Because they don't have it in their budget. Is that the reason? Like, it, it feels very unprofessional that Chloe keeps bringing work home. I think that we are looking at this because they have a certain relationship and... The relationship is sucky in episode one, but it improves by episode two. And now it feels like they're trying to find a way back to each other. Mm. That would make sense then that they would do this in her apartment. But still, it feels unprofessional to bring that much work home. Oh, especially yeah. when you have a little girl there. Well, she's sleeping. Still, that's all I have for there. Then the next one, setting up the plan, is super short. Lucifer is delighted at going undercover. Obviously. But speaking of obvious, it's so obvious that he's not going to follow the plan. Well, it is obvious to us. I feel like he fully intends to follow the plan. He thinks that he might be able to, but he won't Yeah, be. until the very moment where Ronnie brings up that she can fix his problem. Next up, scene 12, not following the plan. Lucifer gets reminded of the other plotline. Go! Which is great. And uh, the song. Oh, I... I have no song note. Educate there me. There is a great song. It feels very sexy. There is this one moment where Lucifer starts walking through Lux and there is an obvious voiceover where he says something in a sense of like, mm, nice move. And it's just really that feels out of place. As in like the sound wise just seems it's clearly a voiceover and it's not great. But it goes over the song that is called Where the Devil Don't Go by El King. You can find it on the playlist. But Vero, what playlist? Oh, the playlist on Spotify that is called T-A-O-T Playlist, all in caps. Very good. We're also going to include the link to this playlist in the show notes. So it's a really good song and there is a lot of really fun lyrics. It's a great song. It's a good song and it's playing on the background. There's loads about Lucifer and Satan in the song and how... Oh, wow, really? He doesn't have any power over the singer or something like that. Um, I can't, like, I didn't actually write down the lyrics, but I listened to the song a couple of times because I actually enjoyed it. I'm gonna have to check that one out. You can go find it on Spotify. I have a question, though. Go on. Because after he drops this very badly overdubbed comment to the dancer he passes Dan and he goes trying to look even more like a douche and I know I asked this question before but where is this deep dislike of Lucifer towards Dan coming from and I think I answered this before and I wasn't satisfied I don't remember how I answered it because there's there's several things that might play into it Dan is not as competent a cop as Chloe but so far we haven't seen him in any way be bribable or corrupt or anything like the cop in the opening of the first episode so no basis for that Lucifer doesn't care for Trixie so Dan being a shitty dad also cannot play into it. He and Chloe are separated, so 
jealousy also cannot really play into it. However, Dan's treatment of Chloe could be a big factor, I think. Because Lucifer, and we saw this before, he doesn't like when anybody mistreats anybody. We've seen it with Jimmy. That's actually a point, that Lucifer has no tolerance of anyone mistreating someone else. Yeah, I don't think it comes down to gender. No, 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 no. Lucifer is very much not about gender, which is refreshing. But still, he he's very extreme in his dislike towards Dan, more so than Dan's behavior towards Chloe that Lucifer witnessed justifies, in my opinion. In the first episode, Dan treats Chloe really bad. It's not a good look. It's very bad. And also by now, Dan is very arrogant towards Lucifer, so... Exactly, and that's another thing. It's starting to be a cock-off. Cock-off, yes. Very good description. I take the cock-off. However, speaking of cocks... We had three episodes and three bad guys, and all of them are starting with a J. Jimmy, oh, wow. Josh, and Joe. Oh, wow. Yes. Right? I did not catch that. Thank you. This is so obvious. Wow. I wonder what the name of the next guy is going to be. Joel? Jean. Maybe it's a woman. Like Jeannie. Or Jolene. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Jolene, we'll see. Um, Jolene, speaking. Jolene. <sighs> <laughs> uh, don't let me drink. Speaking of cocks, because cock-off, speaking of cocks, Ronnie, she's definitely knowledgeable how to work beings with a cock because she's working Lucifer like hot wax. Yeah, but it just, it felt very uncomfortable. Really? The way that she butts him down. Yeah, because she's looking for a mic. Yeah, but it feels very awkward. No, I, I didn't feel it was awkward at all because it's mm. really nicely done because she starts like touching him down and he goes like oh are you looking for a mic or are you like are you coming on to me i just happy to see me and she goes both which i really appreciate so she's enjoying touching lucifer well, but she's also of course covering her bases yeah. which hilariously is what chloe did when she was feeling up lucifer on the piano looking for the bulletproof west so I like that. Everybody loves touching Lucifer. Let's just put it as a baseline. And he so far likes being touched. So yay. Yeah. Consent. And I like how smoothly she assumes to know what this is about. And how he gets caught in that. She is a woman that knows her shit. <sighs> I love her. She's really smooth and she's really competent. And her hair and makeup and her body language. And I I I'm very much into that. Lena, do you know what her name is? Veronica. Ooh. Uh-huh. Ronnie is my least favorite shortened way to say Veronica. Well, that's okay. You're Vero, she's Ronnie. Yeah, I'm my own person. Exactly. So I really like how Ronnie is portrayed as this extremely... She gets referenced as being very competent, but she also comes across as being very competent. Mm -hmm. I find it surprising that both Chloe and Dan are surprised that Lucifer <laughs> is deviating from the plan. Well, they've only worked with him thrice at this stage, so you Chloe know. Chloe should know better. Oh, she should. Seriously. We established her detective skills in this episode are very up and down. This leads us to scene 13, the fourth of the plan still succeeds. The imposter gets terrified and Ronnie gives us the missing exposition about Ali. We finally, at minute 28 get the title name drop mm -hmm. which is kind of late because it's over half past the episode yeah i enjoy how much mace is enjoying this moment oh yeah 
But Mace is really into how Lucifer is getting worked up in this moment. Mm. And then she spoils it herself. Yes. Had she not said anything, it might have gone further and been more enjoyable for her. Yes. But she interrupted the moment with the, it's like you're punishing yourself. I feel like we have a lot of interruptions in this episode. I feel again... Like in episode one, that it is so obvious that the agent is the bad guy, mm-hmm. which I find disappointing because in episode two, it was way more layered. Subtle. Subtle. Thank you. Subtle is the word. But what I really like about this scene is the ending where you have the dialogue between Lucy and Chloe, mm-hmm. where they nearly finish each other's sentences. They bounce ideas off each other. And you can see that they have a really good chemistry. Yeah. And I feel like this is the first professional working together moment like where where they are a proper team where it's neither chloe using her detective skills nor lucifer using his superpowers but just because they work so well together and they are such a good match that by simply conversing with each other they come up with a plan without even formulating it in detail so i really really like that one it still didn't make up about ronnie being way too smart in my opinion to be that dump but hey i take what i can get scene 14 i have obvious trap still works because wow is this obvious description of the scene very staged statements bring joe to spill his bean and get him pushed through a glass wall Mm -hmm. the slow clap lucifer does when he's entering that room is so on point yeah it's exactly the right speed to clap Oh, I don't understand how Joe can be so dumb that he walks this willingly into the trap where he talks about everything. I think he's more desperate because he feels like he is not the smartest man. Yeah, but it's just... Like I said before, I like my villains not that dumb. It feels like he has gotten this plan ready and it was working for him and everybody believed him and he was on point and this is great and everything's going to plan. And suddenly there's a little hiccup and... And he just tells everything and then he goes like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Dude, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. I am so there for the casual pushing Joe through the glass wall. So good. It's done so so greatly because it looks like a super casual shove Mm -hmm. and then he just flies through that wall and i have it down in all caps casual push is not so casual (laughs) yeah at that moment where he just goes completely fucking crazy where he now focuses his anger yeah he is finally focusing his anger on the right person he says which he also did in episode one with jimmy when he drove him insane yes he did I think that he's so, so angry with Joe, which seems very disproportionate because he feels so responsible for Ellie's death, which is in the next scene referenced by Linda. I think there's a bunch of reasons why Lucifer would react this way. It feels like an overreaction until you really get into it. Yeah. It's really interesting how when Chloe comes up to him, he's in complete rage. Absolutely fucking gone. Chloe comes up to him and once she gets his attention, once she gets his eye contact she calms him down in an instant and 
the amount of power she kind of has over him at this moment, even though they pretty much just met. And she's not afraid. That's kind of the big difference. Did you notice in Tom Alice's face, his eyes look wet in that moment. Like he's... There's a lot of emotion in that scene. Yeah, it's an incredible moment. I just, it was really interesting to watch. I like that Chloe is bantering with him, that she solved the case despite him. That whole conversation is so good. That they got to a point when they're so comfortable with each other that they can joke around and they, they're comfortable do this whole discussion it's so good i feel like the finishing each other's thoughts and sentences in the scene before is where the main turning point happens in their relation and i would be very surprised if next episode chloe was still as negative opposed to work with him and i really like that she put in the you can't stop blaming yourself because it is obviously so obvious to everyone except Lucifer that he felt responsible about his involvement in Ellie's death. Yeah. And I like that it gets acknowledged that of course it's also obvious for Chloe because she is a good detective and a smart human. Yeah, but it goes both ways where he calls her out on her bullshit during the case as well. So Yeah, of course, of course. That is what I appreciate that they have this type of a relationship now where they're not afraid they're gonna offend each other or upset each other for saying these things and yeah he's only in denial about himself not about oh, chloe yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pen ultimate scene linda still being the best therapist ever accurate analysis by linda of lucifer's character and motivations gives us our penultimate scene i'm on board with Lucifer calling the imposter Lucifoni. It's so good. It's one of my um, favorite things in the entire episode. One of my favorite things is what I mentioned before that Linda questions why Lucifer chose Los Angeles because I got good question Linda in all caps. Mm -hmm. As much as I was not satisfied with your argumentation as to why Los Angeles, I am very much satisfied with Linda's argumentation because the people come here here to reinvent themselves is very accurate obviously because it's the point of the show but I feel like it's phrased very very good in the context yeah. one of the most important moments for me in this episode is when Lucifer says I'm good at punishing the guilty I was not enjoying it when I was forced to do it but now that he chooses to do it he's having a great time so when he's doing it on his own terms and the thing is this is in my opinion what most of the times even in real life makes all the difference i know it's utterly stupid but when you're a small child or when you're a young adult and you plan on doing something and your parents tell you to do the thing that you had planned on doing you will not do the thing that you had planned to do because they told you to do it mm-hmm Right? You know exactly the feeling that I mean. Yeah, the choice matters. But I feel like this is so, so much relatable. And thus, this is very important because Lucifer is an archangel and he's immortal and yada yada. And he has magic powers and blah, 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 blah. But this is something that we all can relate to. Yes. And I like that Linda elaborates with the you're not just punishing the bad ones, you're seeking justice for the good ones. And Lucifer is not 
quite there yet. Which I find very interesting because he's always trying to deny the very bad image he has and all the shit that humanity places on him or blames mm. him for. But while he refuses all the bad shit, he is not yet mature enough, let's call it, to accept that he has very, very good sides beyond the Lucifer cliche. Beyond being sexual and yeah. daring and whatever. This is again very relatable thing. Yeah. Where we present ourselves in a certain way but it doesn't mean that... We ourselves will believe it. Because we tend to as human beings... We focus on the bad stuff way more than we po focus on the good stuff especially when it comes to our own self-perception. Exactly. I actually put a meme in the Monster of the Week Discord with my family, you're a great person. My friends, you're a great person. My therapist, you're a great person. Me, I'm such a shitty person. I lie to everyone so well they think I'm a great person. I suck. <laughs> Uh, I'm in this picture and I, I feel offended by it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, we close the penultimate scene with, and that's denial, that's a river in Africa. I'm not a fan of the pun, but I'm very much a fan of Linda calling out denial because in my notes I have been calling out denial for several times. Yeah. I like the... I don't necessarily... Okay, who am I kidding? I love the joke. Not gonna lie. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm more intellectual than I actually am. <laughs> but... Oh, liking puns is totally fine. It's just not my thing. What I mean is I love the energy and the interaction the chemistry yeah between the two of them so as much as it is unethical for linda to sleep with her patient and this being a bit of a special case and stuff like that and like i know that some people actually have an issue with this because it is not the best and you could even perceive this as linda taking advantage and either way, this doesn't feel like an issue. But what I'm trying to say here is it feels like the joking around, the way they communicate. It's the beginning of a beautiful friendship. It seems very genuine. It feels maybe, I'd say because they're having sex. Their relationship as a therapist patient is not just therapist patient and the way she runs her therapies is that she is getting down on the level way more than my perception of therapy is yeah because linda is the best she, she is special it says go linda right here in all cups oh yes go linda definitely last scene there's a uh, song playing it's by pins it's called Too Little Too Late. Ooh, I did not catch that. Which I find quite interesting as well. But yeah, you go on. I just wanted to place that in there. This is also on the playlist. I called the last scene, Chloe never stops working. And this is all the notes I have for this. <laughs> that I'm done. <laughs> Actually, regarding the music. Interesting, what, I've, what I noticed over time, over the last two episodes since I started paying attention to this, is that the songs are always in a little bit of different pitch than the original or slightly changed tempo. It's weird because I wonder if it's like a copyright issues or... That's a very interesting question. Yeah, it's an interesting thing there. And I have mentioned it last episode and I'm, I noticed it again when I was downloading the songs. Do you have this in your notes? Because when Lux happens, this is something that we can ask Joe and Ildi. Yeah. Because they might know. Because this is a really good question. Yeah, it was just really interesting because it has happened before. And it's not like the song is different. Yeah, but it's slightly changed. So why? Very good catch. I like that. 
Any more notes in this scene or final thoughts? Final thoughts. All right. My final thoughts. I don't have many, but as I said last episode, I'm still curious for a case that has no personal motivation for either of them and again we have a lucifer personal involvement so i'm hoping next episode doesn't have the personal involvement chloe is still more than reluctant to work with lucifer and it's starting to annoy me and i really hope that this is the final turning point where she stops refusing to work with him especially as she seems to be getting more obsessed with him Mm -hmm. obsessed is a good word because truth be told i'm over her refusing to work with him yeah it obviously works so Shut up and get with the program. Shut up and work with him. One thing I liked a lot about this episode is that Lucifer's character development, personal development, was so unrelated to Chloe this time. Mm. Because last episode, she literally gave the changing speech that he needed to hear, even though it wasn't directed at him. And... I feel like this episode, all his personal growth wasn't directly related to her. So I I like for him to have independence from her in that way. What I didn't like is that Linda and Maze didn't have more screen time. I would prefer less case of the week babble and instead have more interesting interactions with Linda and Mace. And truth be told, even Dan, I would be interested in more backstory of all our side characters, except Lucy and Chloe, instead of having the case of the week shit in that amount. I get it, we need one, but give me less of that and more of the other. And those are my general notes for this episode. What about you? Yeah, I really appreciate the Lucy and Chloe relationship development. It was interesting. Uh, I did have a lot of issues, as we talked about, with (laughs) certain overreaction to each other, especially at the beginning. It just felt a lot of the reactions at the beginning felt like displaced anger. And I know that they were trying to wrap it up with the therapy sessions but it just didn't really work for me well I feel like every episode so far like every haha we only had the second and the third in the beginning the relationship between Chloe and Lucifer is worse than it is at the end of the previous episode like it always feels like we do the step back further than we should yeah maybe but at that kind of I'm not sure they might be trying to show us that so they have like a short amount of time on the case where they work together and they develop all these relationship things but then they don't see each other for a while so it kind of goes to nothing so we would need a timeline to see how much time has passed yeah in i feel like there's more time passing around than we realize it's not like every week thing but i agree with not enough maze and also Trixie. <laughs> However, we got a little bit more Linda than last episode, which I appreciate it. Although I would still get more. We didn't get any aims this time. Right, there was no deal. So he wasn't in and we got a little bit more of kind of exploring Chloe's position at the police department by kind of being in charge of the entire case and being... Without ever being at the police department. Yeah! <laughs> but like we've seen, we've seen a lot of people following her orders and Dan being more cooperative than he was before. She has a certain standing. Even though there is an issue that we've heard about but we know nothing about yet which did not get mentioned again this time weirdly enough because it did get mentioned in the previous two episodes there is an issue but they are still willing to work with her which is kind of nice i guess 
So that's pretty much me. Mm. No new lies for the Lies of Lucifer counter. So I'm curious if there's not going to be any more lines. Because I decided we will not be counting denial or displacement as lies. That's because that's not how it works. No, because if we start counting them, then I'm pretty sure we're going to reach up to 100 or something. So <laughs> no. we did not need to document any more questions for the future except the one about the songs that should we get the chance at the lucifer convention that we will try to ask this and that is pretty much it so any more questions from our lovely listeners send us an email to lucifer at taot-podcast.com if you have any questions notes ideas praise insults criticism We take pretty much everything. Just send us an email and we're going to be happy. Send us some kind of interaction. Because we love to interact with you. Please talk to me. I'm very needy, okay? And she's very talkative. And that's much coming from me. Anyway, well, thank you for listening to our wonderful podcast. And if you want to keep in touch, as we said, you can do so via email. But you can also do that via Twitter. At the Apple of Truth in one word. Or Instagram. At TAOT Podcast. And we also have a Facebook page that can be found under both names. Our episodes can be found on Spotify and iTunes. For those of you who want to know if there are any other ways to get involved, besides obviously telling all your friends to listen to the show, Duh. you can find us at patreon.com slash TAOT Podcast and check out the two tiers that we have for our absolutely amazing patrons yay i mean get that bonus audio people yeah because spoiler <laughs> we've been recording for over three hours and this is gonna be cut down to one hour so you're missing out good night yeah. bye bye <laughs>